awesome. But you know, you know the scripture that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know, I think a lot of times we get caught up um, in, in, out of balance, you know, where we're only being intellectual or we're only being emotional. But, you know, we need to love God in all. And I think that's what this weekend is about. That's why we're worshiping, because we want to, to love God with our heart, but we also want to love God with our mind. And so I love that we're talking about truth, that we're going deep, that we're really thinking here. And, you know, just the theme, I think, is just question everything. You know, don't, um, don't, just, don't just be gullible and accept, you know, even in church. Because, listen, I, I don't, if you have the truth, you don't mind people questioning you. I don't mind people questioning me if it's the truth. And here's the thing. If I'm wrong in something, I want to be right. So if someone questions me, then we're able to discover the truth. So I think if you're always wanting to discover the truth, you're never going to go wrong. So you, don't, you want to question everything. Also, as we're talking up here in the panel, don't feel like you always have to give an argument. And, and, and here, here's what I'm saying is when someone challenges you, what you need to do if someone asks a question, they need to help dis- they need to help prove what they're saying. Sometimes as Christians, I feel like we always feel like we have to give the answer. So I like to ask questions right back. I don't know. What do you think? Show me the evidence for your side. They're the one that asked the question. So I want to encourage you. I, I try that. You know, I'm like, you know, I don't know. Man, help me. What have you found? Show me your research. And I think it helps as, as both sides are doing that. Um, and and make, make other people give an answer. So here's what we're going to do to end. I want to look at, I'm going to do a little intro, but then six cultural issues I want to look at here, and then I want to bring a challenge at the end, and, and, and you're, you're, I know you're really going to be interested in the challenge, so I want to dive into that. This is our verse. Stephen said it. I've used it, um, but we're talking about if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Does truth set us free, or does it restrict us? Does it make us feel confined? You know, and I really want us to think, uh, don't forget about Cole and what he does at the beach. Now, uh, think about these three uh, words, worldview, values, and bias. I want you to know that everybody in this room has all three of these. Everyone in this room has a worldview. What is a worldview? It's really hard definition. It's how you view the world. That's what a worldview is. And we all have one. We all view the world. If we were to ask you different questions, you would all have a natural worldview. All right? You may not even know it. We all have values. We all have things that we think are important, and we all have a bias. If, if anyone ever says that we should not have a bias, that teachers shouldn't have a bias, that reporters shouldn't have a bias, that, that is, that's an impossibility. A bias is simply, it's, it's a viewpoint that you come from. We all have a viewpoint that we come from. You know, somebody's going to teach World War II from this bias, somebody's going to teach, but we all have one. So I want you to know when someone says, you know, we shouldn't have a bias, you know, if I was to ask you, what do you think about white supremacy in the KKK? You know, hopefully you're way against it, you know, but you're going to have a bias against that, if that makes sense. If I was to ask you about women's rights, you're going to have a bias toward, you're going to have a view of that. Or if I was to ask you, what do you believe about unborn babies, you know? Well, you know, I don't really care about that. Okay, well, that's a view. That is a point. Does that make sense? Everyone has a point. What do you think about same-sex relationship? You know, everyone has a view about these issues. So it's important that you know that. The question is, what is your worldview? The question is, what do you value? 
And the question is, what is your bias? Paul said in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, there's two verses I want you to write down here for your notes. Because to me, these are fundamental worldview verses. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Don't let anyone lead you astray with empty philosophy and high-sounding nonsense that comes from, the evils, uh, or from human thinking and from the evil powers of this world and not from Christ. You know, there's a lot of uh, high-sounding nonsense. You know, Cole used some big words up here, metaphysics. When he busted out metaphysics, I was like, whoa, okay, whoa. <laughs> you know, and he started going on to carbon dating. I was like, I know online dating, you know. Um, and so, uh, uh, you know, are we talking about Tinder? What are we talking uh, Is this a new site that I haven't heard of, you know? Uh, uh, but but, but th- he had a lot of high-sounding. Now, his wasn't nonsense. But, you know, there's a lot of people that use big words to scare us and it's high-sounding nonsense, but it's empty, and it comes from human thinking. We've got to ask, where's the source of our belief? Are we being led astray by empty philosophies and human thinking? How do we avoid this? Well, here's the other one. That was the New Testament. Here's an Old Testament. First Chronicles 12.32. This is the big one that I want you to know. From the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe. All these leaders understood the times, and they knew what they ought to do. They knew the best course for Israel to take. And there's three things that I want you to see out of this verse really quickly. First off, there was 200 leaders. From this conference, we want to see you guys be leaders in this culture, not be led by this culture. And how do you become a leader? You got to know what's going on. You got to understand the times. And then once you know the truth, you got to know how to use it. You got to know how to lead and you got to know how to help people. So how do you keep from being led astray like Paul talked about? How do you keep from empty philosophy taking you over? You got to be a leader. And you got to study. You know, sometimes study is a negative term. And you want to know why study is a negative term? Because usually teachers are boring. Hopefully not all teachers are boring. Okay, hopefully not all teachers are boring. You know, and, and you've, loved, you've loved this weekend. In fact, you're really tired, and I'm really impressed with you guys. And the reason that you love this is because it's interesting and it's relevant. Does that make sense? And you guys are locking in even though you're tired. But studying is not boring. It's just some studying is boring, okay? But not all. And so you got to become a student that always loves to understand the times and really dig in there. Okay, so I want to look at some issues here. First, let's look at the issue of authority. Right now, authority, we hate authority. That's kind of like as a culture, we do. Right, we're, we're anti-parent, we're anti-teacher, uh, we're we're anti-police, we're anti-political people uh, uh, like the prez, you know. But but what does the Bible say about authority? Before we get caught up in what everybody's caught up into, what does the Bible say about it? it you know what it actually says? It says obey authority unless authority asks you to go against God's word. That's actually what the Bible says about it. it talks about it in Acts. Um, but but listen to this. An immoral society or a society that tries to do more wrong than right, will it be harder for the authority or easier? When you have an immoral, if we have a society that's going more and more away from Jesus, do you think it's going to be harder to be a police officer? Do you think it's going to be harder to be a teacher? Do you think it's going to be harder to be a parent in an immoral society? Absolutely. Uh, in, In fact, you guys... I mean, this has been easy this weekend with these guys. Why? Because you're moral. You're not mad at Cole. I mean, Cole's just always getting on to me. Well, why are you always in trouble? You you know, it's it's kind of a catch-22. So so let's let's take the example of the police. Should we have police? Okay. Why do we need police? 
Because people do wrong, right? People do wrong. Is a society that doesn't believe in truth easier to police or more difficult? And I don't think we're thinking this through. Do we want police not doing their job? Do we want police allowing bad people to do bad things? Is, is that what, what kind of a society will we have in 15 years? Now, should police have accountability? Absolutely. They, all, that always should be, okay? But if we are anti-authority, what kind of a society are we going to have? You know, how would you feel if you were a police officer today? Do we ever put ourselves in other people's shoes? Or do we just, we just, get, we just get frustrated with teachers? You know, our, our, well, my teachers are just always barking. Why are we making them bark? See, we never, ever put responsibility on ourselves. In fact, do we want criminals that do not fe- fear police? And uh, I don't know if you guys heard, this actually, it, it's on YouTube. Uh, there was a female police officer in Chicago, and she was making an arrest. There was actually a guy, he was high, um, and he was just kind of out of his mind, and and she had put a handcuff on him, and he was fighting. I mean, he was fighting, resisting. He got, he, she couldn't get both on him, and he got her to the ground, started punching her, then he started choking her. And I mean, he was massive, and she was a, a small lady, and, and he almost choked her to death. Almost, this close. You should see, if you watch on YouTube, you see all these people responding, all these officers finally pulled him off of her, and when they interviewed her, she said, my training said I should have shot him, but I didn't because of public perception. I didn't because of my family and my, my fellow police officers. I didn't want to bring the media scrutiny onto. So she almost died and didn't do her job because of the way society is demonizing authority. Is that what we want in our culture? Is that what we want in our culture? In fact, Romans chapter 13 tells us what to do with authority. It says everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God. Does it say all authority is godly? No, it doesn't say that. It says all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authority does not strike fear in the people who are doing right. If you don't want to fear authority, do what's right. Does, does that make sense? I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty mathematical there. I mean, it's not, it's not even metaphysical. You know, that's just mathematical. You know, I understand the two plus two part. But in those who are doing wrong, would you like to live without fear of the authority? Instead of getting mad at authority, just do what's right. It's that easy. Do what is right, and they will honor you. The authority is God's servant sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servant sent for the very purpose uh, of punishing those who do what is wrong. But here's the thing, guys. When we remove truth, we don't understand authority. When we remove truth. When we remove truth. This is what the thing I want you to get from this whole weekend. When you remove truth, we cannot function as a society. We can't even have teachers. We can't even have police. We, we, cannot, we cannot function as a society. And, and, and this is, is where we're at. Take the example of sex. Without truth, we don't understand sex. And here's what we've done. We have changed love to sex. And we've said, I can love or I can have sex with whoever I want, when I want, how I want. 
In fact, I don't know if you, you guys saw this. There's actually a TLC show coming up. They're filming it right now. This has been in the news. Get this, Cole. The, these, these two guys who are best friends, one, one guy's married, and the best friend comes up and he says, hey, bro, I, I got to be honest, TBH, your wife is awesome. And the guy's like, he, and he's like, dude, I, I think I'm in love with your wife. The friend says, okay, date her. They get married, so the three of them are a marriage. Yes, and there's kids with both. Yes, this is going to be a show because it's real. It's what's happening. This is a real thing. And they're like, you know, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's, and they, it's weird. It's weird, okay? But here's the thing. What we're saying today is we can love how we want to love, when we want to love, who we want to love, but without truth, we don't understand love. And we've changed love to sex. There's a lot of people I love that I don't have sex with. Does that make sense? I mean, there, there are. But what we're saying is if I love them, I have sex. Those are, not two, those are not the same thing. But see, we don't understand any of this because we don't understand truth. And so because we don't understand this, we've created a porn culture. We have all this abuse that is out there. And these actually are, are female teachers this has become a new thing. Obviously, we've seen it in the male department. This has become a new thing. In fact, I spoke about this not too long ago, and one of the people in the audience said, I know her. She came to my Thanksgiving and was like, ooh, sorry. Sorry about that. But then, you know, we have the same-sex relationships. We have all of this sex trafficking that is happening, and then the abuse that is going on. Why? Because whenever you don't know, know truth, you devalue what God valued. And this is where we're at. And I told you I'd go into this a little more. Uh, Hollywood, Hollywood has the big Me Too movement. Of course, Harvey Weinstein is the thing that blew this thing wide open and started the Me Too movement because he was using, he was abusing his power. He was using all of his money. But then all these other different people begin to be outed for all the abuse. And here was a sheriff, you know, who who was into this. All, all these people w- were into this. Why? In our movies, we've been creating movies, and we've been watching them in fantasy, right? The problem was we want to live them out. Harvey, all these different people, what they start doing? They start living out their, what they created in the movies. And so whenever we, we want to go out and we want to entertain ourselves with immorality, we cannot be surprised when we want to live it out in reality. And this, this is where we're at. And, of course, Luke 8, 17 says, for all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open, and everything that is concealed will be brought into light and made known to all. Of course, there was the Ashley Madison website where people were using it to have affairs. And all these people all across the United States, when they, they got hacked, all these people got re- revealed for what they were doing, a lot of prominent people, people here in Arkansas, but people that, that, that I had come across. But it says what is in secret will eventually come to light. What about evil? Because without truth, we don't understand evil. And I got a video here uh, that, that I want to show you guys. I don't know if you've seen this commercial, eh, eh, but this is a, a commercial about hotels. I got a couple videos for you guys before we jump into the ending here. But y'all check out this commercial. Listen to what they're saying uh, about human nature. It would be great if human beings were great at being human. And if all of mankind were made up of kind women and kind men, 
It would be wonderful if common knowledge was knowledge commonly known. And if the light from being enlightened into every heart was shown. It would be glorious if neighbors were neighborly and indifference a forgotten word. It would be awesome if we shared everything and being greedy was absurd. It would be spectacular if the golden rule was golden to every man. And the good things that we ever did was everything that we can. Treating others like we'd like to be treated has always been our guiding principle. This is such an interesting commercial because it has like all these conflicting worldviews in and of itself. But they said, I like what it says. It says, what if humans were good at being human? You know, we're actually good at being human. We're naturally bad and we're good at that. You know, but what, th- what this commercial is telling you is that we're all good. We're all basically good. And that's not at all what the basic human nature is all about. See, human beings are great at being human. We're great at doing the wrong thing. It's only when God counteracts our human nature do we change. But, but what did they say? The golden rule? Where'd the golden rule come from? Yeah, uh, yeah. I believe that was Luke 6.31, do as others as you'd have them do unto you. But what do we see in the world that we live in? We see the Vegas shooting. We see Sutherland Springs, uh, Orlando. The, these two guys right here uh, beat up uh, a fellow teammate uh, at a party. He was drunk. They beat him up, and uh, he was having concussions. It, it, three days later, he had these symptoms, and parents took him to He was so beat in the head, they beat one of their teammates. Uh, these guys raped a girl at a party. See, human nature, these are just things that are in the news, human nature is good at being evil. But we're saying today, man is good. Man is basically good. No, Romans says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But without truth, what? We don't know human nature. Without truth, we don't know how people live. Without truth, we don't understand life. Without truth, we do not value life. Life does not matter. See, what is rape? It's the devaluing of life. What's murder? The devaluing of life. What is abuse? It's the devaluing of life. What is abortion? And seeing an unborn child as a blob of tissue? That is the devaluing of life. I don't know, anybody been to college, had the lifeboat exercise? Has anybody had the lifeboat exercise in here? A lot of my students go off, at least in our local college, they do the lifeboat exercise, where they say, you're a cruise ship captain, your cruise ship has just sunk, you have a lifeboat that can only fit six people in it, you have 12 people that need to be saved, you choose which six live and which six die, and then it gives you the background on all 12 of them. Some are a little bit older, some are younger, some are uh, disabled, some may have a disease that's going to kill them anyway. And so you decide which lives are more valuable and which lives are less valuable. Now, what did, did Jesus come to die for the more valuable lives or did he come to die for every one of us because we're all created in the image of God and we're all someone who Christ died for? But the exercise purposefully forces you to value certain lives over others. When you look See, without truth, we don't know when life begins. Without truth, we don't know when life begins. Some people today say a baby isn't a baby until after it's born. What makes birth so magical that after birth, it is a baby? You know, there's only four differences between a baby in the womb and a baby outside of the womb. What's one of the differences? Size. Outside the womb, it gets a little bigger. Inside the womb, it 
can only fit so well, you know, so it's got to be a little bit smaller size. So are, are, are smaller people less people than bigger people? I mean, is Cole less human than Zach, you know? Zach got a little, sorry, is that personal? Sorry. No. I mean, come on. Is a third grader less human than an eighth grader? No. Size doesn't make you more or less human. All right. What, what, what about a level of dependency? Okay. Le, um, le, level of dependency. So, or I'm sorry, level of development. Let me say it like that. Level of development. So in the womb, they're less developed than, than a baby outside of the womb. So is someone less developed? Because, you know, like 20-year-olds are more developed than 16-year-olds. Does that mean that you're less human? Or what about the environment? What's another difference? The environment. You know, well, you're, you're, it's in the belly versus out of the belly. Well, it, so if you have to be in a different environment, let, let's say like a, what about a baby that when they come out, they have to live in one of those incubator things, right? Are they less human than someone who is in a different environment or someone in another country less human? Your environment doesn't make you more or less human. Or the last one is uh, dependency, right? Because they're dependent on the mother, it's not a baby. What about someone who's had kidney failure that's dependent on a dialysis machine? Are they less human than someone who has perfectly functioning kidneys? But that's the only four differences between something, not, not in my stomach, but in, but in a mom's stomach. You know, it, it, it may look like it, but, uh, uh, but, yeah, but those are only four differences. But see, without truth, we don't value life. Without truth, we say, oh, they're getting a little old. Maybe it's okay if we do away with them, right? Without truth, it, but see, anyway, we'll go into that. Psalms 139 says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Well, what's David saying there? You were who you were before you were birthed. So you were a baby before you were birthed. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Whoa, so my life was my life before I was birthed. See, David talks about a life is not a life after birth. A life is a life after conception. We don't know the last one, and then I'm going to get to my conclusion here. Right versus wrong. And I want to watch another video here. And I want you to see where we're at with right versus wrong. This is actually something that happened in Montana. And, and, and I want you to hear a group of high school students that help describe the event that happened. It's about a minute and a half video. Check this out. When he was killed in a neighbor's garage, exchange student Deren Dede was just two months away from returning to his family in Germany. The man who shot him said he feared for his life. And from Deren's best friend, Robbie, police learned the teen did enter the garage to steal. As Robbie described it, Deren was not the first kid in Missoula to go sneaking into unlocked garages. He said the kids weren't after money, credit cards, or valuables. This stunt happened often enough that it had a name, garage hopping, and the target was usually beer. The reason for garage hopping or garage shopping, I've heard it called both, was for kids to go in and look for alcoholic beverages that they could easily get and take. Until this shooting, that sort of wasn't on anybody's radar in law enforcement. No, I had not heard garage hopping, no. These three friends of Deeran say they've never gone garage hopping, but they know all about it. 
you all know people who do it yeah. or have done it. Yeah. Right? They understand it's illegal, mm-hmm. yep. but it seemed harmless. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, they're like, hey, dude, this is a way for you to get some extra beer, you know, when you're on a Saturday night. I mean, th- did you think to yourself, you know, oh, my God, we didn't tell him how dangerous that could have been. But no one knew. No, no, one, no one would ever, ever like, be like, oh, hey, don't walk into that garage. Mm-hmm. You never know if someone's going to shoot you. Robbie told police Deeran had done it before, but never taken cash or valuable property. He wasn't a criminal. He was like a kid. He was a kid trying to have fun and feeding the group, doing what the other guys do, trying to be part of them. Was it really that innocent? True or false, Deeran was committing a crime. He was. Entering somebody else's home, even their garage, that's a crime. Yes. Even if the door's open. Yep. And if Karma's life was threatened, he had the right to shoot, didn't he? All right, so this is something that happened in Montana. Some guys broke into a garage to steal some beer, and the homeowner shot and killed um, this guy. But I want, I don't really f- want to focus on that. I want to focus on just our thinking. Because without truth, we don't understand right and wrong. What did they say? They weren't after money and valuables, right? What did they say? They were just after beer. Y- yes, it's illegal. Did you, hear, did you hear the girl? Yes, it's illegal, but it's what? It's harm. It's harmless. It's harmless. And, and, and then the, the guy said, now, did you ever think to yourself we ought to warn him? You know, if you break into someone's house, they might shoot you. What did she say? No one knew. No one told us. No one told us. No one told It's not our fault. No one told us if I broke into someone's home in Montana, by the way. (laughs) Big city Montana, you know, by the way. But no one told us that, that, that we might get in trouble or there might be consequences for doing the wrong thing. No one told us. And then what did the buddy say walking by the beach? It's not like he was a criminal. It's not like he was a criminal. What makes someone a criminal? When they commit a crime. Did he commit a crime? He's a criminal. But without truth, guys, do you see how we navigate however we want to navigate this world? Do you see how we can justify anything? Do you want to know? The man that shot and killed him is in prison. Mm-hmm. He was put in prison. They were able to tell it away. Now, what does the Bible say about a thief that breaks into a house at night? Does the Bible say anything about a thief that breaks into a house at night? Exodus 22.2, if a thief is caught breaking into a house at night, does the Bible not address so many things? It's amazing. And if the thief is struck a fatal blow, the defender is not guilty of bloodshed. But see, when we don't know the truth, we don't even know how to rightly navigate these situations. Isn't it amazing what the Bible says? But guys, if we don't read it, if we don't know it, then we cannot even navigate these simple things. And by the way, Proverbs 14, 12 says there's a way that appears right, but in the end leads to death. I want to end with a challenge here. You guys have done incredible here, and we just got a few minutes left. But I I want you to to lock in here, and I want to end with the story of Esther. Think about the story of Esther. She was born into a world that she didn't ask to be born into. 
In fact, she was uh, put into a, a contest to see who would marry the king, and she didn't ask to enter that contest. She actually won, won the contest. She was a winner. That's just who Esther was. And when she was queen, there was an order to kill all the Jewish people. And her cousin Mordecai finds out about it and goes to Esther, and he's like, Esther, you have to use your influence. They're going to kill the Jewish people. You have to step up. Listen, this is just the culture we live in, Esther, and you've been placed in this position. Who, who would know for such a time as this? People are literally dying, are about to die, and if you don't do something, all these people will die. And Esther did not ask to be born to this. See, she had to step up and help those who could not step up for themselves. And because Esther stepped up and said something, she saved an entire generation of Jews. You know, when you overcome your fear and you step up, you never know the people that you're going to impact. You never know the people that you're going to impact. You didn't ask to be born right now. You didn't ask to be at the job you're at or the school that you're at. You didn't ask to be in the friend circle that you are around. But you know what? To whom much is given, much is required, Jesus said. And God is challenging you. Why are we having this worldview conference? So you can have knowledge? No. It's so you could be an influence in your culture who doesn't even know that some of the things that they're doing are killing them. This was for you to step up and lead. But Esther didn't see what she could do until someone challenged her. Her cousin challenged her. Maybe you couldn't see what was going on in this culture until we challenged you today. But hopefully now that you see it, you're going to step up. But you won't see what you're not looking at. Did you like that? That's metaphysical right there. You can't see what you're not looking at. You can carbon date that thing. You cannot see what you're not looking at. But see, Esther finally, when she saw the need, when she saw the voice that she had been given, And when she saw the right time to get involved, she did. That's the three things that I want to leave you with today, is that you need to see the need around you. You need to see the voice and the influence and the circle that you're in. Every one of you is in a circle that I'm not in. A lot of you are in a circle that Cole's not in. You all have a different circle. That's the cool thing about God is he's called all of us to be an influence. You've got to see the need. You've got to see the influence you've been given, and then you've got to pick the right time and begin to step up. Why did Esther step up and lead? And lead? Because she loved people. And I want to end with this concept, and it's the concept that ideas have consequences. Ideas have consequences. When you don't know the truth, there are consequences for that. That boy that walked into that garage, if someone had said, dude, don't do that, something could happen. Don't do that. You could get shot. It might have helped him. Now, did he probably already know that in himself? Sure. But if someone had stepped up, it could have saved his life. Ecclesiastes 1.9 says, history merely repeats itself. It's all been done before. There's nothing new under the sun. When we look at our culture today, don't think, all oh, this is different than normal. Man, there, history merely repeats itself. In fact, Esther and the Jews being, wanting to be exterminated then, that wasn't the first time they tried to take out the Jews. In fact, you could even flash forward to 1941 to 1945 when the Holocaust happened over in Germany, Nazi-occupied Germany. Has anybody been to the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C.? A couple of you have. I think it's one of the most powerful things. I think it's one of the most powerful, sobering things. And I've been several times, and every time I go, it still hits me. It makes me cry. 
it, may, it, it makes me sad for all the people that lost their lives. Of course, this is a sign at the Holocaust Museum that says, the next time you see injustice, think about what you saw here. The next time you witness hatred, the next time you hear about genocide, think about what you saw. And there's a book that I encourage you to get, and it's, it's called How to Kill 11 Million People, Why the Truth Matters More Than You Think. And it'll probably take you an hour to read. It's a very, very thin, thin book. Now, maybe not a cold book. Maybe not a metaphysical book, but, but, but you, need, you need to read this book because it, it talks about the Holocaust and what happened and how 11 million people were killed. And I don't know how, how many of you studied World War II in school? Have any of you studied World War II? And, and to be honest, I don't feel like we do it justice. I don't feel like we go deep enough into it. But just to throw up a few pictures here, guys, these are bodies that are lined up, and, and when American soldiers got over there and discovered what was going on, um, the, the military leaders actually asked them to take a lot of pictures because they said, people won't believe what y'all are saying. What you're saying is nonsense. What you're saying is not even fathomable in America, that people would do this. 11 million people were killed in about a period of four, uh, of four years. The, these people were experimented on, there's 6 million Jews, 5 million non-Jews. These, uh, we're talking about everything was taken from them, their houses, their property, their clothes. They, they literally had no identity left. Uh, husbands and wives were split up. Kids were taken. Could you imagine kids, your kids being taken from, your family being ripped from you? They were experimented on, operated on, starved to death, worked to death. They didn't work. They were beaten or killed. They were told to take, go take a shower, and they would be gassed. I mean, it's just atrocious what happened. Look at all these little kids. There was around a, a million and a half Jewish children that were murdered. A million and a half Jewish children that are murdered. In fact, right here, y'all see the little triangles on their, on their clothes? This was the only um, piece of identification that they had. They had that and their number that was on them. These were the only belongings that they had. Do you know what they did? They divided the group, they divided everybody into groups, and everybody had a star, but all the stars were different colors. Gold star, anybody know what the gold star stood? Do you know what the gold star meant? If you had a gold, um, got gold star, gold triangle, you know what that meant? It was the, it, it, you were Jewish. It, it was the star of David. You were Jewish. What if you had a brown triangle? It was gold star, I said that wrong. But what if you had a brown triangle? You were a gypsy or you had Roman descent. A purple triangle you were a Jehovah Witness, a Catholic, a priest, a Christian leader who was against the government. If you had a black triangle, you were lacking proper documents, you were homeless, or you were illegal. If you had a blue triangle, you were legal immigrants, um, but th- that's how they marked you. Red triangle, you were trade union, Democrat, Freemason. Pink triangles were homosexuals, rapists, pedophilias. Green badges were criminals, and the green badges actually meant you were in charge. They put the criminals in charge of all these other people. You think that was good? So what did they do in Germany? They grouped everyone. We weren't all, they weren't all Germans. You're this group, and you're that group. Do you see us doing that here in America? Starting to group people. You're this group. You're that group. Instead, we're, we're all people under Christ in this church, right? We're not groups. In this, we're, one, we're one group. Here in America, we're Americas. But over there, they begin to group them, and then they begin to value certain groups over the other. The Germans were told, I'm sorry, the Germans told the Jews 
that we're doing this for your best interest. We're grouping you, we're protecting you, we're putting you here in the ghettos here. And it was, it was an unbelievable web of lives. They disarmed them, they took them from their homes. And you see these train tracks? They had train tracks to these concentration camps. There was estimated 15,000 concentration camps. 15,000 concentration camps to house 11 million, or more than 11 million people. 11 million people were killed. It was, just, it was millions of people, 15,000. And the way they transported them were in these train cars, and these were people that died in these train cars. In fact, there's a train car in the Holocaust Museum. Y'all remember the train car? Y'all remember walking through that? The train car was meant to put eight cows in it, eight cows. How many people do you think they tried to pack in these train cars? Anybody know? At least 100. That was the minimum. A hundred people in these train cars. It was hot. Many people died on their way to the concentration camp, but they were made to feel like cattle. And I tell you this to tell this story right here. And Andy talks about it in his book. This is a picture of a church. And one church is documented in saying, a German church, they said, We knew what was going on. We had heard stories about what's going on in the culture. But we felt like, who were we to step up and do something about it? And they said, so when they would hear the trains coming behind the church, they would immediately start singing. And they said, we would sing so loud so that we could never hear the screams of the people from the train tracks. And we felt as though if we ignored it, it went away. They did nothing about it. And my question is, as a church, are we just singing and ignoring what is happening in our culture and thinking it will go away? Or are we like Esther saying, you know what, I got to step up. I can't just go, la, 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 this isn't happening. It's not, things aren't, everything's good, everything's good. Are, are, are we stepping up? And I want to tell you this last story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. How many have heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Oh, cool. Nobody really, so that's good. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor during the Holocaust. And Hitler told all the pastors, if you'll just shut up and not say anything, I'll leave you alone and I won't put you in jail. Dietrich Bonhoeffer couldn't do that. He said it's wrong. In fact, he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer said in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, he said, if discipleship doesn't cost you, you might not be a disciple. He said, it ought to cost you something. And he stood up and he said, this is wrong, this is wrong. Uh, anybody heard of the movie, what was the Nazi movie, Tom Cruise? Um, ah, well, Valkyrie, Valkyrie, okay. Val- Operation Valkyrie was an attempt to assassinate Hitler. Dietrich was in on that. And he was put into prison for speaking up against Hitler. It was discovered that he was in on the Valkyrie thing. So they executed Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and I want to get this detail right. They executed him on April 9th, 1945. Three weeks later, the war ended, and he would have been freed. He was executed three weeks before, but he stood up. He stood up when others would not. He did what he could. He didn't worry about what he couldn't do. See, we can't get discouraged and worry about what we can't do. And here's what I want to put up there. Why not me? Why not you and why not now? Why not you step up and make a difference in your school? 
Why not you help those who are being lied to? Why not you help those who are hurting? Why not you speak the truth in love? Why not you? And I, and I love what they set up here. We're, we're not trying to debate. We're not trying to win argument. We're trying to win souls. That's what this is. This is not a war on people. This is a war on ideas. But the, the idea is to win souls, is to love people through what they're doing. But why can't you help someone? Why can't you lead someone? Why can't you make a difference in this world like Dietrich Bonhoeffer did? The bottom line is we need leadership. We need leadership. I think every one of you can be a leader. And just the two things that we do in our ministry, if it could be a blessing to you, is we have High Point Leadership Camp. This is for 15 to 19-year-olds. If you're 15 to 19, we have a camp simply for leadership and worldview. If you've enjoyed just these couple of sessions, we do a whole week. And for 15 to 19-year-olds, I can't tell you how many people have gone off to college and, and, and influenced their professor, where their professor said, you know what, I've never thought about it that way. I think you're right. We've had professors say that to our students because our students learn how to lead in love. You got to lead in love. Stephen said that last night. You got to lead in love. I think Travis said it today. You got to lead in love. And so you got to learn how to take information but love people and have the right timing. And that's what we do at our worldview camp. I'm telling you, everybody that comes to this worldview camp, or leadership camp, they leave and say it's the best thing I've ever been to. And they go back. And, and they can be a leader. And the other thing we do is Leaders Academy, which is a nine-month internship where you actually get to live on our campus. And we have, we have a group that's about to graduate here in about three weeks. We have about 20 interns that come into our ministry and do that. But the whole idea is creating leaders because leaders have to be grown. They don't come about on purpose. Anyone can lead. It just takes learning how to lead. But I want to encourage you, why not you? Why not now? I hope you guys have gotten something out of this. I hope that has been powerful for you. If the worship team come up, come up here, I think we're going to end with a song. Is that is that right? That's still how how we're doing it, Zach. Um, and John eight thirty two says it says you'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. It's the last thing I want to end by telling you. You cannot be set free from the truth that you don't know. And if you're gonna if you're gonna help set people free, you got to help people know the truth and what is going on. If you want more information, uh, you can go, you see the website is up here. You can go on your smartphone and go to hpoint.org if you want to see about our leadership camp. Um, actually, Stephen Sexton started High Point. I don't know if you guys knew that. That's the camp that Stephen started um, and was our director for a long time, but it's, um, it's about 20 years old now. But I want to encourage you to come check it out. We talk about human trafficking. Uh, uh, we talk about uh, all kinds of different dating um, we talk about lo the life issue. We look at entertainment. Uh, we, we just have a lot of fun um, at this thing. So I want to encourage you to check those things out. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. And now we're going to end strong here um, with Mr. Zach.